Hello and welcome everybody to the front porch of the Modern Rogue HQ Compound. It's your old boy, Justin Robert Young, for another episode of Jury Daily. Wow, this week has been a blur for your boy, Jerbs, I gotta tell you. It, uh, you know, big, uh, the, the reason why I'm out here, I guess, technically was to do the live uh, night attack at the Out of Bounds Comedy Festival. Had a really great time. Uh, with that, you know, uh, an amazing crowd, people driving out from all over Texas, which was uh, just awesome. But, oh, I don't know how I'm going to survive Dragon Con, honestly. Like, Dragon Con is something that I always leave very exhausted from, and, like, I'm going in, like, at 0%. <laughs> I am, if you were to, to swipe down from my face, you would see a red battery that desperately needs to be put into lower pa- low power mode it is uh dude it's pretty hectic uh, uh you know, there, there's been a lot to get done uh, and obviously the kind of daily podcast schedule is something that is really important to me to make sure that we don't drop episodes or uh you know leave you guys with anything other than what you expect but holy smokes uh it's it's hard to to work out here because I got so many friends and I, I don't see them all the time. I told myself that this, the, uh, there was going to be one thing that for sure was going to happen this time. I was going to stick to at least my fitness schedule, at least my fitness schedule, which at this point has been twice a week, lifting weights and running right every day, at least, uh, you know, three miles or so. That's the, that's, that's the, that's the regimen. And I only screwed up on that today. <laughs> today, today, uh, I definitely did not work out at all. This was supposed to be the weightlifting day, but I'm gonna go do it tomorrow. It's gonna happen tomorrow. Uh, I will at least get the weightlifting in because I just knew that if I, I went without it here, then I would I would be just totally breaking the pattern. And that is, if, if I mean I don't know if I would ever be looked at it as you know some kind of peak element of physical fitness but i will say this the one thing that i know for sure if i were to ever give anybody any kind of uh, uh, advice is like working out is about literally everything other than working out like if you want to work out and you want to be on a thing literally just focus on pattern building whatever pattern building that you can do the better off you'll be in fact you could probably Get closer to working out by saying, I am going to go get a drink at a bar by a gym. Like, literally, I just have to go over there and I have to drink a drink while I'm looking at the gym every day. And at a certain point, you're going to be like, ah, fuck, I mean, I'm right here. I'm right here. How about I drink after the gym? And you'll go. That's like the one thing. As long as you're doing it, it's something you do. I didn't expect for this to become a a big thing. I did not expect for this to become a motivational speech. And yet here we are on the front porch of the Brian Brushwood compound. All right. What do you say we go ahead and get into the news?
Story from Vice. You can definitely skip Dave Chappelle's new Netflix special, Sticks and Stones, written by Taylor Hosking. The comedian doubles down on misogyny and transphobia in the special, and then the hidden bonus scene that follows. You will likely know, if you've listened to me enough, that I find Dave Chappelle to be the greatest stand-up comic of my lifetime. Uh, I think that he has kind of distanced himself even from some of the heavyweights that uh, he was contemporaries with. Uh, I think he got a little bit of a later start, but now that he is, you know, he's, he's had five specials now, you know, four specials, I guess. No, five. Yeah. That's, uh, that's fascinating. It's fascinating that now he is outputting more than he ever did in what we would consider to be his prime. I have not seen the new special. So I will update you when I do. But there was an element of inevitability for Dave Chappelle at the time, trailblazer for thought-provoking and hilarious comedy that talks about the systemic differences in race and sex that eventually he would run up against our modern culture, which not only builds upon some of the stuff that he really made a name for, but also has diversified. One of the elements that Chappelle has run into uh, criticism on specifically is transphobia. He, I think it's safe to say, is fascinated and befuddled by... The entire process. Although, I I, I remember, uh, you know, the, the first special that he did. I, I don't know. I mean, again, it's like, it's not something that I'm ever going to say you shouldn't be offended by it. Because that's an impossible thing to say about anything. Offense is in the eye of the beholder. Offense is in how one person hears a thing. So I think where the the first problem that we get to when we have conversations like this is any defense sounds like your hurt isn't being heard and any expression of pain feels like you shouldn't enjoy this if you do. And I just kind of think that that's a false construct. I honestly feel that that you there's multitudes to this. And when we're dealing with something as personal as I'm taking offense to something because I feel attacked by it or I feel uh, that I am being eliminated in this conversation or marginalized, then there's no universal lines to that. There's general lines. There's higher awareness. And I think that that is a very good outgrowth of where we are right now is that we are now far more aware of what people are hurt by. But the first Dave Chappelle joke I heard about uh, uh, the trans community was that they were always going to have the toughest road. That LGBT, the T should stand for, tough road ahead. And that's one of those things that I kind of thought was interesting. I really thought it was interesting because uh, that shit is true. (laughs) 
Like, I don't know if you can if you can say that like there is any community and and measure that by whatever metric. And there are some dark ones. That stuff is hard. It is a hard road. Now, does that stop him from continuing to explore the subject? No. Does he do it in a way that makes people feel uncomfortable or bad? Sure. Uh, but he's him. He He's one of those guys that, like, right now, unless the noise got so loud that Netflix would drop him, at which point he would be paid four times what he's making now by Amazon or Hulu or Disney. Uh, he's in a very interesting position because he really does not have a corporate master. In fact, I don't think he's just making these deals with uh, Netflix per special. He's just saying, no, you want two more? A hundred million. Thank you. <coughs> And that's a tremendous position to be in because he can say whatever he wants. In fact, the only recourse, now that I think about it, is not that Netflix would drop him. It would be that Netflix would not allow themselves to profit on the thing that they paid tens of millions of dollars for. So, one thing I know as a as a fan, a studious fan of Dave Chappelle is that he has always been obsessed with comparative pain. Comparative pain is something that is a, a theme he has revisited time and time again, that I feel bad about this. How does that compare to how bad you feel about something else? And we are in a world of a lot of pain. A lot of people are hurt. Or rather, a lot of people are talking about how hurt they might have always been. And so there's a lot to play with. But, man, even Dave Chappelle, one of the most funny, thoughtful comedians I've ever seen, you know, is not, it's not always going to be for everybody. And, you know, I think, I know that immediately he wants to go to like, okay, well, well, then you're cool with it. It's like, well, I don't know. Let's go ahead and get into your emails. It is indeed Real Talk Wednesday. You can send in your Real Talk Wednesday emails to jurydaily at gmail.com. Just put Real Talk Wednesday in the subject line. Our emailer writes, I've been mulling this idea over for a few years, and I think your show is the best format to discuss it. As our society becomes more and more surveilled and privacy is becoming a diminishing commodity, I wonder why this is a real issue. Why do we care about privacy anyway? If you flip the idea and we're under 100% constant surveillance with zero privacy, what happens? Embarrassment over our browser history and porn habits, sure, but what else are we so concerned over? Lately, I've been trying to my, uh, live my life under this concept, trying to live in a way that would not destroy my life if all my secrets were revealed. I'm not doing any major crimes, so I wouldn't worry about getting caught for anything like that. Is embarrassment and shame really the biggest issue that why we want to cling to our privacy? In this hypothetical society, could humans somehow change society enough that we hardly have shame and thus have very little reason to desire privacy? I guess my ultimate question is, 
Why do we value privacy? Like, what others think is one of the biggest reasons for not sharing something. If we could remove that variable, remove the shame of secrets coming out, what kind of world would we have, even if we had no privacy? It is a thought experiment. TLDR, if you wish. That's some real talk. Let me break it down. Part of the reason why we like privacy is not necessarily that we don't want to live our lives in open. We want to choose the ability to live our lives in open, and I think where privacy comes in is not necessarily whether or not we would have all of our secrets shared instantly, but rather who's watching. That's really the big, when, when, when people say this is a privacy issue, the question isn't whether or not the secrets are out. The question is who's gathering them or who has access to them. Is there a way that, uh, uh, is, is that person someone you just don't want to hear about your business? There's a lot of reasons for that. Divorces, exes, you know, people that are violent in your past, stalkers. There are elements that I, I think privacy is there to protect us from that. That if we can simply remove that information from the public sphere, then there will be less gasoline to pour on that fire. If it's always out there, then it could get worse. Now, the other side of that is to say, well, even if that's the case, and there is a, a, a world where we just have all these things uh, out there, will they eventually all blend together? Will we always keep looking very, very diligently for something that will titillate us or excite us or anger us and that we would then take undue action on? I tend to believe that privacy is likely just an extension of our society. That we, it's not necessarily a bad thing, it's just a way that we have found that the world works a little better. Maybe we have less elements that we feel demoralized about. We have uh, an element to shape ourselves a little bit better. And that ultimately, you know, unless we live in a world where there is an omniscient thing that is constantly revealing everything that we do, that we are always going to be at odds with whatever thing forces us to always show our cards. We're always going to want to hide a little something for ourselves. Maybe it is part of human nature. But it is a good thought experiment. Thank you so much for sending it in. All right, that'll wrap it up for us today. You can listen to the cicadas. Really making some noise out here in Hill Country. I'd like to thank our producers, the Jen, non-specific rock and roll Martian, Stephen, Will, James, the OG Brito, Will, and Chris. You can email us, jurydaily at gmail.com, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, at Justin R. Young, and join our Discord at bit.ly slash jurydiscord. I want to thank MacBook Pro for giving us our jury story for today in the Jury Stories channel. And until next time, is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying, please give a round of applause to Mr. Wacky, but until we speak again tomorrow, please do Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>